Welcome to the SPE Podcast, powered by the Society of Petroleum Engineers. You're listening to the SPE Live Technical Director Series, drilling operations in progress within HSES. Can we do better? The audio from this episode was previously recorded on March 1st, 2023. And now your moderator, David Reed. Hello and welcome to SPE Live. Today's show is drilling operations and progress within HSES. Can we do better? So I'm looking forward to that. My name is David Reed. I'm the Chief Technology Officer and Chief Marketing Officer for NOV, and I'll be your moderator today. Today's SP will last live will last 30 minutes, so um, they will be encouraging people to put questions in, and so we can respond to that during the show. Okay, it's now my pleasure to introduce our guests. First up, we have Sue Staley. And she is the SBE Technical Director for Health and Safety, Environment and Sustainability. She is the Sustainability Director for VPSI Group, LLC, where she leads the company's sustainability practice. Prior to joining VPSI, she was the General Manager of Soil and Groundwater Technology at Shell. She's had various positions within Shell during her 18-year tenure. She's been an environmental and safety engineer for 30 years, and Sue holds a master's degree in engineering Environment, uh, sorry, environment emphasis from Purdue University and a bachelor's degree in chemical engineering from the University of Minnesota. Our next guest is also Robin McMillan, who's the SP Drilling Technical Director and the Chief Sales Officer at Data Gumbo. He's worked in drilling both offshore and onshore in Mexico, Venezuela, UK, Spain, Norway, Congo, Gabon, Syria, Libya, Canada, and the USA. Robin has several technical publications, served on program committees from various IEDC and SBE conference, and is both vice chair and membership chair of the SBE Drilling Systems Automation Technical Section. He holds a geology degree from Leeds University in the UK and a further education teaching certificate. So Sue and Robin, welcome to SBE Live. Thank you, David. Thank you, David. Good morning. Yeah, good morning. It's good to have you here. So... Let's start with Sue. So what is happening in the HSES world? Well, um, actually, a lot is happening in the HSES world, and uh, it's my pleasure to, to talk to you about it. First of all, there's, um, there's two technical sections within HSES. We have the human factors technical section and the sustainable development technical section. But in addition, there are cross-discipline uh, technical sections that HSES professionals get involved with like the methane emissions uh, technical section, water, life cycle and strategy, and even data science and engineering analytics. Mm-hmm. And um, But our two technical sections are very active. So in um, the human factors section, um, they – Uh, something that was just recently completed was a collaboration with the IOGP on developing new guidance on learning from normal work. Um, There's uh, an SPE live on that. So you can go out and check that out. And um, this community is very active in working with other uh, disciplines on human factors uh, issues. Mm -hmm. They've just uh, completed their vision and they want to be the go-to team when uh, somebody's thinking about human factors within our industry. And um, so here's a plug for all of you human factors folks. Um, They're looking for specialists to join the technical section to help share their expertise and become that uh, and to fulfill the vision that they've set for themselves. And in the sustainable development technical section, um, 
again, it's very active. You've probably heard of some of the events under the Gaia brand. Um, we have a very active LinkedIn community as well. There's 1,500 members in the LinkedIn community devoted to talking about sustainability and those issues in, um, in within SPE. Um, well, this month, it's March 1st today. So in two weeks, there's going to be a summit, a Gaia summit in Oman. It mm. looks like it's going to be a very exciting summit. It's two days, the 15th and the 16th. We're also planning for an energy transition summit. Uh, this is not hosted by Gaia, but we are part of the team that's putting that together. That will be held in August. And then we're also planning some great sessions and a Gaia dinner at ATCE. Um, this is a wonderful community to be a part of, and I invite everybody who has any interest in sustainable development to, to join that uh, technical section. Back to you, David. Yeah, thanks. That's exciting stuff. I think Guy is fascinating as well. There's a lot of, a lot of fun things going on there. So that's great. Absolutely. So Robin, yeah. Robin, um, yeah. I'm not going to ask you what's going on in drilling. You were ready, but I'm not going to. Um, I wanted to ask you something related to um, – safety in the drilling space um how are, how is drilling doing on the on the safety side well that's a good question as you will know there's been a lot of focus on drilling in fact all stakeholders in drilling so many operators contractors service companies oems have had safety at the top of the priority list for for many years and part of the reason i think for some of the success is the industry collaboration. I think it's well recognized that this isn't an area where we want to compete. It's actually an area where we want to coll collaborate and help each other. Yeah. And to that end, you know, the IDC, which is the, you, know, you have to, might have to pull me up on a few acronyms, International Association of Drilling Contractors, has for many years, in fact, since the 60s, put together the incident, what do they call it, ISP, Incident Statistics Program, um, that shows this is where all the contractors put their data in over mm. over 70 companies now yeah. that are doing that. And this means that everybody has the chance to go look at that data and see how their own performance compares with everybody else. Uh, and, and the way they present that data is in a form which is uh, if, where you can really analyze what's going on. So, for example, um, it'll be split by, you know, for example, an incident, where was it on the rig? Who was it? What was the position of that person? Um, what was their age, for example? What was their seniority, um, et cetera? So th it makes it very simple to go in there and find out exactly what's going on. And if you look at that data, and I say it's been going since the 60s, all the re all the re both the LTI and the recordable rates have come down by huge numbers. In fact, from the very beginning, they're down 99%. Mm. Of course, as soon as you say that, you say, well, what about the remaining 1%? And, and there, therein lies the challenge. We can never take our eye off this off this ball. And I think some of what Sue was just talking about with regard to human factors will work into how do we aim for exact zero mm. as soon as possible. Yeah, that's it's a great. Um, I, I know the industry's done really well compared to other industries, but I like that we don't yeah. accept where we are, um, and and accept any injury or hurts in the workplace. So I think that's a really good culture that has evolved. So thank, thanks for that, Robin. So Sue, collaboration with the drilling world. Where where is there opportunity there in your mind? Well, I think there's several 
uh, ripe areas of opportunity. The first is human factors. I mean, that that comes up. And um, can, can you introduce human factors? Just I, I know we're used to it, but, but for those who haven't heard that as a as a buzzword, you know, what, what does human factors mean? Yeah. Okay. So I'm not a human factors person, but I will give it my best shot. (laughs) Human factors is taking, um, it's being, it's taking into consideration um, how humans interact in the systems that they're working in. And so designing systems um, with that in mind so that we're trying to design systems that are safer for humans to operate within. Um, and so when we think about drilling, there are a lot of opportunities for injury. Um, and so the, the more that we can think about how to remove humans possibly from um, as much of the mechanical work as possible, how do we design so that um, the injuries that we've known and seen in the past, um, we can try to design those out of mm. the systems. Mm. Um, so that's one. Um, on the personal safety front, um, yeah, we've made a lot of progress in the industry, but we can do more. And I think that's another area of opportunity. Um, if people aren't aware, a few years ago, the SPE put together a report on getting to zero. It's an excellent report on things that we can do within the industry to help um, reduce and, and get to zero. And also, um uh, tied in with that is the the work on collaboration for culture. Um, mm. So what kind of cultures are we uh, expecting and um, tolerating might mm. be another word. Um, so there's, uh, those are three that come to mind for me. Yeah. Yeah. And I think collaboration outside is another area, you know, bringing in others. I, I know we've learned that a lot. You know, yeah. Yeah. yeah we do that. Absolutely. We do that. Mm. Um, so, there's a ton where, I mean, you're in the in DSATs, Robin, so the, mm-hmm. the automation world is uh, has been, uh, I want to say galloping ahead, but, but but you know, there's 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 lots to go in, in, in the development of fully automated systems or people people being off of rigs. How, how is that, uh, how is that working for safety? Well, it, it is clearly, as, as Sue said, getting people out of the way, getting people off the crawl, away from some of the big equipment it's, it's clearly going to have a benefit. Um, but actually, automation provides its own challenges. I heard recently someone call this the automation conundrum, yeah. um, because particularly with the related to, to human factors, um, the more a system is, op- is automated, if it's not completely autonomous and you want some interaction between the human uh, and the system, then the more automation there is to some degree, the it, in theory, the less connected the human can feel to the system, and therefore, uh, maybe you know less able to intervene when something is required. So, the more automation we have, the more we have to think about what are the ergonomics of the situation. You know, how do you manage the user interface so that, in this case, um, the driller feels uh, completely connected? Mm. And in fact, you talked there about other industries. I, I seem to recall. A while ago, that we that we were learning something. We used to invite people from the airline industry hmm. uh, to come and speak, and there was a, a contrast between. I believe it was the two major airline providers. You know, one had both had automated systems, but in one, the manual equipment was still in place. So, for let's for example, the automated system moved the joystick. You could see it move, and therefore, you still felt connected 
to the system. And I think it's those sort of ergonomic issues that we need to consider when we're looking at how do we maintain connection between the human and the loop. So you're anticipating more haptics and like vibrations or, or noise? Is it uh, yeah. something that's been Possibly. Certainly, and I think a lot of visualization, for example, um, I know that there's autonomous, I mean, I think that Norse uh, at Ulrig in Norway uh, are experimenting with an autonomous drilling system um, whereby there are sensors in the well that are checking what's happening in the well and the system is responding automatically to that. Mm -hmm. I think if you're the human in that loop, you would want to be able to see what the sensors are seeing. Can you can you look down hole and see, okay, if this system has, for example, detected a pack off, where is that and what is the system doing about it and where's the visualization that allows myself as the driller to see what's going on? So I think mm -hmm. those sort of... Uh, interfaces are going to be necessary to allow the human in the loop to stay connected. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, I imagine um, all this stuff going on, I hadn't really thought of it this way, so that's a great insight, that, that we're actually, yes, things look like they could be better um, with more people out of the loop, but actually there's new new challenges for us to think about, which I'm sure Sue kind of pulls your teeth and going, well, hold on a minute. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This, is, this is great, but um, what are we going to do when things go wrong? Which, which leads me to probably the 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 um, the biggest case we have of you know of of critical systems, which is kind of well control as a system. And I know I know we've been kind of in MPD world, which brings a lot more control uh, into into the systems, some automation. But but where are we as as it, as it comes to moving towards a more automated well control system? Robin? Yeah, yeah, thanks. So, so we are moving in that direction. And I think I once, in fact, I once placed this question myself at a conference. And um, it was responded to by someone from an operator who, who said that with some automated systems, you can have them um, so that they, if, if they go wrong, that's fine. You can jump in and you can, for example, move the pipe yourself if, if you're the driller. But with, if you were going to automate well control, you'd better make sure that this thing works. Uh, mm -hmm. from day one in, in a perfect mm -hmm. manner. So I think that's one reason why we haven't gone as fast in that direction. But certainly now we do have the sensors available, we do have managed pressure drilling available. And I, I think what we get back to is, again, how do we maintain the connection between whoever's the human in the loop and the system? Mm -hmm. And I think that we come there back to maybe that we need simulation again if i use the airline industry as an analogy um ideally if the worst case scenario happens it's not a surprise uh, yeah. because in this case the pilot will have been on an automated system where they have been asked to deal with that situation and i think the same applies here that we need to have uh, probably training on simulators and i know for example oems have a lot of simulation systems where they well, they can test and use new equipment. And I think the same applies here, whereby we put folks on a, on a simulator um, and then we do simulate the worst case scenario. So once again, if you find yourself as a human in the loop and that happens, then you know how to respond. So I mm -hmm. think technology, uh, it, it does exist. Um, I've always felt that we should perhaps be moving faster in that direction. Mm -hmm. uh, but as I say, I think that the human factors, again, plays a big part in making sure we get it right. 
that, that, that really opens up the, this whole area to understanding because I think people see, you know, and I've seen it for years, lots of automated systems out there, lots of promises of great things. Um, but we're moving towards the technology for sure. We're seeing it more and more in all sorts of applications. Um, but I wonder um, what would help us to go faster. And, uh, and, it, and it sounds like this disconnect potential is, is part of it. But, but what do you think about how do we how do we move faster uh, into um, drilling operations being more automated? Yeah, I, that, I, maybe it's the wrong answer. Maybe we shouldn't. <laughs> maybe I'm no, assuming no, I think, faster. I think, I think we should. In, in fact, I think now we need to. You know, various companies, um, OEMs, service companies, and rig companies have mm. now developed systems. For example, on the rig floor where they can uh, retroactively fit automated pipe handling systems. And when, when you look at the data I referred to earlier with regard to where do injuries take place on the rig or where are potential incidents on the rig, mm. um, most of them, I would, I think almost 50%, maybe a bit more, are between the floor hands and, and the roustabouts and that yeah. the rig floor is predominantly the area and pipe handling is predominantly mm. the area. Um, where the, where the, the the risks are so, but we do now have systems whereby, as I say, we can remotely uh, add robotics to rig floors, and, and I think retroact uh, a retrofit is key because clearly there's an expense here, and if people if it requires a brand new rig, then the uptake is going to be um, a lot slower. But now that we have retrofitable systems. Um, I think it, it behooves us in the industry to take full advantage of those. You know, these have been invested in, as I say, by at least two or three companies that, that we could think of. And therefore, that's we should take that up and we should start to, I think, insist on the, the fact that there are more automated systems on rig floors and we do get people out of those red zones, which we know through the statistics are the most dangerous areas. Yeah, that's, that's good. And I... I I know I'm seeing these robotic systems where, you know, more like car manufacturing, um, where they're actually picking up all the tasks of the humans, which which leads me to kind of the way we've been going here, which says we're very focused on injury on the floor, floor hands and pipe decks mm -hmm. and all that stuff. But are, are we are we moving towards a higher risk where, we, you know, we're going to be using automated systems in the with the with the full drilling process? And so are we looking at the potential for incidents? So what, what, what are your thoughts on all this? Um, I would think that as we see more automation, we're going to definitely be learning from it. And and I think that this is an area for this new um learning from normal work to help us understand what's happening in these systems. Um, and then as, mm -hmm. if we can get that information shared across the industry, like through SPE, that would be great. Um, and for those companies that are making these investments, you know, I encourage them to, um, as they're bidding on projects, you know, make this known so that they can, um, they can use that as a competitive advantage. That's good. Um, well, we do have a question in in from my online, so I'm gonna I'm gonna give you give you one of those to respond to. So uh, this is from Maxine Aikenhead on LinkedIn. So please please do send questions to us. Helps us uh, focus on the things you're interested in. Um, how do you recommend tracking your supply chains, human factors, and due diligence for accountability 
and reporting purposes. Um, I'll, yeah, I'll take a stab at that one first. Um, I think one one way to to help that is if you have um, as you're vetting your supply chain, um, making sure or making sure that that's part of your requirements that you want to see that. Hmm. Um, that's the first step because then they'll have to provide you information to demonstrate that they they actually are considering it, um, and. Uh, if they have any reporting data, you can ask for it. Um, they may not have any, but if they do, it's certainly something to ask for. That's good. Robin, do you have any thoughts? Yeah, I, I agree. And if they don't, then then it, then we should ask why not. Yeah. Um, so I, I think that, that you can, if you like, filter your supply chain by, by those people that do have those sort of systems in place. Yeah, it seems like it's the new question. Like we we need to be asking this because, like like I say, we've been focused on safety on the floor, but but uh, yeah. human factors. It's it's I would say it's an evolving uh, expertise that we need to grow. So that yeah. Makes sense. yeah. Uh, here's another one um, from Naid uh, uh, Naid Said. Um, how many factors? Sorry, how human factors are integrated into the risk management process? and how it's measured to gauge the performance and improvement. How is that dis deployed, basically? Um, so this is out of my area of expertise. Um, I would invite Naid to join our human factors technical section and you know ask this of our technical section and start mm -hmm. to learn from them. Um, I wouldn't be able to answer that. I, I think you're right, Sue. It's early days, and that's that's the challenge, you know. So, for us as an industry, I think I think that's probably the message here is there's a shift um, from an HSES standpoint. Um, we're doing really well. We're we're moving on. We've been doing all this automation, but but probably it's becoming the number one area as human factor mm -hmm. because we're we're the the systems are changing, and so then the learning is changing. So yeah, that's that's a that's a that's a good question. So. In fact, I think there's a collaboration, though, isn't there, between the what's HF? Yes. The, um, hmm. Ergonomics, isn't it? Human factors and ergonomics society. And ergonomics, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think yeah. there's a collaboration now between the SPE and HFES. Do do you? There is, do, yeah, there is. Do you do cross with, between between the drilling organisations and HSES? Do you have joint events, or how does that work? Or should you? Maybe well, currently <laughs> our joint is that Sue is a member of the uh, Drilling Advisory Committee. Oh, that's good. Uh, and, uh, that's, and, and that's why, I mean, well, yeah, because we need that sort of input, I, I think, as we just said, it, keep, it keeps coming up. Yeah. Um, it does. It's a challenge. And um, it, I think it's another example, actually, of where the technical sections of the SPE uh, overlap and probably, and I'd like, I'm going to encourage more collaboration hmm. with other technical sections. Yeah, Sue? Yeah, the, another collaboration that, um, that we've seen in the past is the international HSES conferences that are held every couple of years. Hmm. Um, the IADC um, has a drilling track as part of that conference as well. So there is an opportunity um, in when we're developing those conferences to ensure the drilling and the HSES communities are engaged together. We have a drilling conference next month, I guess, oh, sorry, next week, right? In Stavanger. Mm -hmm. um, 
is there an HSE part of that? HSES? There is. I was looking through. There's a. There is at least one session called People's People and Processes. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I remember from from DSATs in the early days. That's there was a splinter off where one of the guys who started DSATs went off and went into human factors very quickly. So I think it's. I think it's recognized that, oh, wait a minute, <laughs> if we're going down this road, um, we're going to have some challenges. So that's great. This was, I think that's encouraging for everyone to get involved in this area. Mm-hmm. If you haven't studied human factors, I, I know I've seen plenty of speakers at our events from outside the industry, and you learn yes. a lot from them. Yes. I, I actually wonder, because when we've heard the airline guys talking and you think about guys who fly planes or women who fly mm-hmm. planes, they... Um, they uh, they get rest because of stress. <laughs> of course, they're carrying humans, but they're but they're yeah. stress in a way that we we haven't even really thought about mm-hmm. um, when we're in critical operations. So, I yeah. just think it's a fascinating area. It is, and that technical section um, is doing a lot of work and collaboration externally as well. So mm-hmm. it's um, it's not just human factors uh, folks within our industry, but. Uh, we're learning from others as well. Well, great. So the, the, unfortunately, that, that is the end of our time. So we have more questions. So if anybody wants to connect, then please get involved with our technical sections. I think that's a great way to get involved. There's always things going on. Um, so thanks, Sue and Robin, for your insights. Um, that's been really helpful. Thanks, audience, for, for your uh, watching as well as giving us questions and uh, for joining us. So we'll see you next time. Thank you, everyone. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the SPE Live podcast. For more content, visit the SPE Energy Stream, the industry's digital pulse at streaming.spe.org. If you enjoyed today's show, don't forget to subscribe and review. Join us next time on the SPE Live podcast.